The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. This is either complete incompetence or this is by design. And I would argue it's the latter. The left is is so ravenous to get more political power. And they're doing so by trying to flood the country with millions of people that they think will end up voting for them. Forget the rest of us out here in America who have to suffer through spikes in crime, fentanyl crisis that are killing our, our, our uh, American citizens, the human trafficking, the child smuggling, the toll it takes in our communities on first responders, on schools, on yes. healthcare. These are all problems that the American people are now facing because we have illegal aliens in all 50 states. We have people from the terrorist watch list coming across into our borders. And of the previous administration saying on the campaign trail, come on over. This is what America is all about. And now they throw their hands up as if this problem is just happening to them. Mm. It's happening because of them. I don't want to turn now to breaking news. The U.S. Supreme Court has issued, uh, has ordered Title 42 to stay in place while legal challenges play out. Now, Title 42 is the Trump era pandemic policy, which allows border officials to expel migrants either back to their home, home countries or into Mexico. There's your uh, your ruling coming out of the Supreme Court. Uh, perhaps it'll uh, stop the bleeding to some extent happening right now at America's southern border. An attack, full-scale invasion, as some commentators have said. And, of course, this is something that the Joe Obama people want. They want, just like the first guy said in uh, the opening of that, uh, that montage. He, uh, he sees this as an opportunity to get millions and millions of voters into the Democrat Party. Barack Obama, the puppet Joe Biden, will get into the immigra immigration crisis and much more on today's show. You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us today. Lots to get to uh, this week, surprisingly so. As I said earlier in the week, uh, it was supposed to be a relatively slow uh, news week here during the, uh, the holidays for the United States. Uh, but a lot has been happening, including this ruling from the Supreme Court, a five to four ruling. I guess Neil Gorsuch swung to the side of uh, the liberals but five said uh, to the Biden people, look, you can't have it both ways. If you want to have all of the emergency powers that uh, the pandemic gives you, if you want to keep scaremongering with the pandemic and yet see Title 42 lifted, you can't have if, if the pandemic's all around us, you got to keep Title 42 in place. That's basically what the Supreme Court decided. Sundance over at Conservative Treehouse. He says, on one hand, the Biden administration extended the national COVID-19 emergency through April of 2023. They love the power, so they extend the emergency through 2023. Think about that just for a moment. 15 days to stop the spread? 
And, and we're going now into 2023 with some of these emergency pandemic powers. He says, on the other hand, the same Biden administration was saying there was no COVID-19 emergency as the foundation for their effort to remove Title 42. We don't need Title 42 anymore. There's no emergency. They just talk out of both sides of their mouths. It's no, it's no problem. I mean, last, last week, remember, it was the Karine Jean-Pierre who said that, you know, if, if hey, we're just uh, abiding by what the lower court says. And the reporter rightfully said, well, but you want this. I mean, you want the court to lift this so that more can stream in. She, at least Joe Biden yesterday said he felt like it should be lifted. A rare moment of honesty coming from this, this administration that's fundamentally transforming the United States of America. There's a New York Post story today saying that the solution, Biden's people, they want this because they see the solution to this, all of this illegal immigration, <clears throat> they see the solution as mass amnesty for all of them. As I say, they're, they're future Democrats, voters for the Democrat Party. So let them in by the millions. And never mind how much it hurts the country, how much it hurts ordinary Americans, you know, actual citizens. Never mind. The New York Post says here, the White House complained Monday about Texas Governor Greg Abbott's uh, latest busload of migrants dropped off at the vice president's doorstep on uh, Christmas Eve, it says. But the administration's response was to use the 100 or so illegal immigrants as an argument for its mass amnesty legislation bill, a bill so radical, even Speaker Nancy Pelosi wouldn't bring it up for a vote. It's that radical. You see, these people don't stop. You give them an inch and they take a mile. It's like I said yesterday, at least the, the judge in Maricopa County uh, just gave Carrie Lake a, a slap on the wrist instead of handing hundreds and hundreds of thousands to Mark Elias and the Obama lawyers going after persecuting someone for bringing a case into a courtroom. You can't do that. You can't fight us. You can't question the election. You should be penalized. You should be uh, sanctioned. They don't stop, do they? They just keep right on attacking. I think it was President Trump, by the way, who said something about Mitch McConnell and how that they must really have the goods on McConnell, these radicals, the deep state, for him to keep compromising the way that he does with these communist insurrectionist. We wrote back in 2018, this is at the trumpet, the liberal left supports open immigration. They applaud sanctuary cities, resisting the federal government's efforts to enforce immigration laws. And, and the fact is, even with Title 42 in place, the Joe Obama people haven't even really been enforcing that. They're only sending about a third back. A third of the ones that are apprehended, that's brought out in the, uh, the New York Post uh, piece. I could just finish that, I guess. It says, the Biden administration is already flouting the Title 42 orders. Under President Donald Trump, the overwhelming majority of illegal border crossers were expelled under Title 42, whereas last month, Biden allowed the expulsion of fewer than one-third. So fewer than one-third. He's just still letting them in. Never mind what the law says. At the trumpet, 
It says here, why would they prioritize illegals over American citizens? They say it's about compassion, but it shows no compassion for the American families it hurts, including victims of violent crimes committed by illegal immigrants. The real reason is power. See, this is what it always gets back to. They want power. They want control. This is what all the Twitter revelations are showing. They're revealing a government out of control, abusing power, stifling free speech, even as it continues to spread misinformation and propaganda all over the place. There was a, an Epic Times uh, survey, by the way, says here, a majority of Americans want Congress to investigate whether the FBI was involved in censoring posts on Twitter and other social media sites following new revelations from these Twitter files. It says a total of 63%, notice this, 63% of likely voters think Congress should probe whether the FBI was involved in censoring information on social media sites. So here they, they're all in on it. They cover up the truth. They spread propaganda. And then now they're exposed and the media response, well, just don't, don't cover it. Don't even talk about it. They won't. They aren't. Only Fox News is talking about it. Listen to Joe Concha. He's on, on with Fox News just talking about how, how could this story, perhaps the biggest story of the year, perhaps the biggest story in years, exposing government corruption. And it's just completely ignored. I actually saw two headlines today in our news gathering about Cassidy Hutchinson supposedly saw someone in the Trump administration burning papers. And that's big news now, I guess. I wouldn't know it because I'm not watching MSNBC. I'm not watching CNN. But they ignore these Twitter file reveals and then they cover stories like that, third hand, burning papers in a trash can. More clavicles, I guess. Listen to Joe Concha from Fox News last night, clip two. It's funny to hear uh, cringe Jean-Pierre talking about how the Biden administration is for a free and open press and accessibility to the administration when you have a president that did five solo press conferences this year. Donald Trump in his final year in office did 35, so seven times as many. But but, but we look at this Twitter files dump, Greg, and it's, it's remarkable. You see Alex Berenson, for example, he once tweeted that the COVID vaccine, quote, doesn't stop infection or transmission. Don't think of it as a vaccine. And Berenson was banned for what proved to be accurate, as we've seen, Breakthrough cases do occur. Uh, those who are vaccinated can transmit the virus. And President Biden, meanwhile, you may recall, declared on national television, a CNN town hall, that if you get the vaccine, you will not get COVID. So who exactly is spreading disinformation again? And now these Twitter files, which is one of the biggest stories of the year that almost nobody outside this network is covering, Greg, has, has shown that the FBI is working in concert with Twitter to silence the Hunter Biden laptop story. And now the Biden administration was also looking to control the narrative using the kind of tactics you would see in, in, in Pyongyang or Beijing, suppression, de-amplification, outright censorship. And the American media simply yawns and says, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. And yet, despite all this, <laughs> you look at the truth. It is, it is getting out there.
the, the lies in many ways, as I've covered this week, they are being exposed. As Conscious says there, who's, who's the one really spreading misinformation here? Listen to this montage put together. I think it's got a little music in the background, so you can ignore that. But listen to some of this misinformation from the last few years. Clip three. You're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. These vaccines are highly, highly effective. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. They're really, really good against variants. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission. Uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. Get your first shot, and when you're due for your second, get your second shot. Our key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized, you're not going to be in an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. And yet, as, as Concha said, Berenson, one of the few critics criticizing the vaccine, He's, he was in that clip I just played earlier, he tweeted that COVID, the, the COVID vaccine doesn't stop transmission or infection. Don't think of it as a vaccine. He gets banned. It's government-sponsored censorship. And yet that, we were treated to a steady diet of that for three years Speaking of steady diets, remember the, uh, the junk food-aholic? He's on with Joe Rogan earlier this week talking about how he's addicted. He's addicted to junk food. And this is one of the most prominent, prominent doctors in the country. He's on with the talking heads all the time saying, you better get your vaccine. He was on, I think this is MSNBC, this same guy. You'll recognize him, clip one. You know, all of that horrible anti-vaccine activism that uh, caused so many people to needlessly lose their lives because by refusing a COVID-19 vaccine, that's not spilling over into other childhood vaccinations. So you're starting to hear the same kind of phony baloney health freedom propaganda rhetoric now being used around uh, childhood vaccinations. I think we're under vaccinated as a population, certainly with respect to boosters. So if you look at those who are going into hospitals now, they're not only the unvaccinated, but those who have failed to get a recent booster. We're under vaccinated, he says. And uh, he is right to some extent there. I played that clip for you from Peter McCullough, who said that more and more people are opting not to get the booster because they know of someone who's had a very painful side effect. Super painful, to quote Bill Gates. Well, he wasn't even talking about that as one of the more serious ones. So more and more people are, it's just like the Epic Times survey. I think it was 900 Americans that, that typically vote. So it's a, it's a pretty good sample size. And 63%, they say that the, the Congress should investigate this Twitter and FBI connection. And then you have the booster shots, the vaccines, drugs that are, that are killing people. And it shows what happens when, you know, when the truth emerges, when the lies are exposed. My father writes this in uh, a 2016 article. This is America's real enemy. This was right at the tail end of the Obama uh, second term. It says, Mr. Obama repeatedly said how transparent 
his administration would be, yet virtually everything he has done has been in the dark. Many journalists have complained that uh, his has been the most opaque administration in history. Well, we weren't introduced to the fake Biden regime just yet at this point. But what did Concha say there? He's given five press conferences this year. Donald Trump in his final year gave 35. 35. Hitler. Hitler was out there talking, giving, you know, his, his views, thoughts, ideas, everything. Everybody knew. And you remember how contentious some of those press conferences were as they shouted at, at Donald Trump. I guess this is what the, the, uh, the press corps wants. Just not ever talking to him at all. Or he walks by, makes a quick comment, and he's off to the Caribbean. Same with Justin Trudeau. I think the last headline I saw from the winter storm, 57 deaths in the United States. You've got that. You've got the energy crisis. You've got the border crisis. You've got inflation out of control. And here's another vacation for the elites. As they scoot off to the Caribbean to dine with other elites, other millionaires, billionaires, even as they see the country going up in flames. My father said, this is again 2016, as these scandals pile higher and higher, nobody can get administration officials to tell them anything. They have lied and lied and lied and have been caught in their lies. This administration covers itself in a cloak of deceit. In some cases, they've even joked or bragged about the lies. They brag about it. They get exposed. They get caught up in it. They just keep right on lying. We've had that as a theme this week, a running theme. The year of lying, or the year of exposing, exposing the lies, it says it is impossible to measure the damage that such deception has wreaked on the fabric of our politics and our society, but nobody seems to care. You see, it's just embedded into our society. People, they keep getting away with it, and so they keep, they keep right on lying. Finally, it says, what happens to a nation when people come to expect their leaders to lie? When people embrace deceit, that's a far deadlier crisis than more people realize. Go back and listen to yesterday's show. We went through Ezekiel 9, other scriptures. Read through Proverbs 6. See what God thinks about lying. See what God says about a year of lying. Of course, it's been much more than that. This is from the 2016 Trumpet. If you haven't subscribed yet, call our operators, 1-866-930-3024. There's no cost, no obligation. You can get a free one-year subscription if you call today. My father says, finally, lies enslave and destroy us. Lies are the, are the tools of tyrants. It is truth that sets us free. You can see that over in, in John chapter 8. Only the truth will set us free. Another article here, this is from 2018. I think I might have read this the, the other day, but it says here, they lied and lied and lied and were caught in their lies. My father writes in Great Again, that administration covered itself in a cloak of deceit. Well, it's, it's probably drawing on some material from that same article I just read to you. But, uh, but look, it's, it's all sides. All parties are guilty of this. Everyone sees how that this is just how you <laughs> further your agenda. You, you spread lies. You spread propaganda. 
You just submit to, submit to our will. This is how they impose their will on the rest. Will worship. Listen to Tulsi Gabbard. She was sitting in for Tucker last night, clip six. A permanent Washington has created a culture where it's acceptable to lie to further your own interests. Just try not to get caught. I should know I served in Congress for eight years. But even when these politicians do get caught, people just shrug their shoulders and move on. No big deal, no consequences. A few examples, Dick Blumenthal lied about his military service. And of course, Elizabeth Warren, she lied about having Native American heritage. So no one should be surprised that the American people don't trust these politicians. They've got no faith that those in Washington are actually working for the people when they're so clearly working for themselves. There's a, a story I've been meaning to get to. It's been out there for a couple of weeks. It's the Washington Times says Biden's second quarter job numbers off by a million, off by a million. They, they withheld the latest numbers from November, the, the southern border figures, because they knew it would be dreadful, hundreds of thousands streaming across the border. So they withheld those numbers. They typically come out in the middle of the month, November 15th, December 15th, but they released those numbers last Friday night, right before the Christmas weekend. Try to do it as, as, as quietly as possible so that no one pays attention, no one sees it. Cover it up. Lie. Just lie. Here, this is the lead up to the midterms. And they know, these people know all the job numbers. They lied about it because they knew an important election was coming up. And they were off by a million, a million jobs, if you can believe it. It says, the, the Biden administration vastly overstated its estimate that employers created more than one million jobs in the second quarter of this year, claiming historic job growth when in fact hiring had stalled. Claiming historic job growth, and we could have taken the time to collect all the clips of them lying. Yeah, million jobs, historic. We're out of the recession. Everything's great. And then after the midterms, we find out that they were exaggerating. In other words, lying. They lied about it. Job, job hirings had stalled. It's pretty amazing. You don't just make a little tiny, tiny mistake like that. It's not a tiny mistake, is it? A million? A million? This is a quote from, uh, well, I can skip on, I guess, ahead. But in any event, you get the idea. And as I say, it crosses the aisle. It's on both sides. Listen again to Tulsi Gabbard from last night, clip seven. The results that people are looking yeah, well, for I are called into question when you tell blatant lies, not embellishments. And this is, this is, I think, one of the biggest concerns, Congressman-elect, is that you don't really seem to be taking this seriously. You've apologized. You said you've made mistakes, but you've outright lied. A lie is not an embellishment on a resume. You said you worked at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, but they've said, we've got no record of this guy working for us. You've said you've gone to and graduated from these universities, but they've said, well, we've got no record of that. These are blatant lies, and it calls into question how your constituents and the American people can believe anything that you may say when you are standing on the floor of the House of Representatives supposedly fighting for them. That's a Republican congressman. I think he's from Long Island. And basically, he just put a bunch of lies on his resume. He was out campaigning. Yeah, I worked for this company. I got this degree. And they were all lies. 
And you know what his defense was last night? I didn't play much from him. You know what his defense was? Well, Joe Biden lies. So th- this is where we are. Will they lie? Are, are you going to step down from your, uh, the office that you just won? You lied to the electorate. You lied to your constituents. So will you step down? Of course not. Of course not. And, you know, you look at what's happening in Washington, D.C., and it's perfect, isn't it? It's perfect. No one turns and leaves D.C. in shame because of lying. That's embedded into the culture. That's, that's how the deep state operates. Look at the Mueller investigation. Look at Jim Comey. Look at John Brennan. Look at those 51 intel officers that signed off on the fact that Hunter Biden's computer was actually Russian misinformation. It's everywhere around us. And so, obviously, a guy gets caught. Tulsi Gabbard said, have you no shame? He, he has no shame. He's like all the rest. He'll fit right in in the swamp. What happens, like my father says in that article from 2016, I mean, what happens when we become a lying culture? There's a great article, by the way, at Issues and uh, Insights. They've got all these quotes from the founding uh, fathers talking about just how crucial it is for free speech to preserve liberty. And, of course, by free speech, they're talking about, really, about preserving the truth and making sure that some tyrant doesn't come along and just censor critics that he doesn't want to hear from, that he doesn't want them to to make them look bad. It says here that the Constitution included freedoms of speech and press. So the press, they factor into this too, because our founders knew freedom of expression was necessary to maintain liberty. However, what was emphasized was freedom of expression, not the particular medium, of expression used. If radio, TV, and the internet existed in the 1770s, the principle behind freedom of the press would have been expressed more broadly. So just take the principle. Obviously, technology has changed, but you take those principles embedded into America's Constitution, and you can see why. You can see why 63% of Americans are saying this needs to be investigated. I mean, this is serious. They're getting the message. They understand what's happening even when there's a complete, still, there's a complete and total blackout. The press, the free press working to cover up the Twitter story, the Twitter files. It says, to see this, you need only consider some of our founding generation's own words and those of their predecessors. Cato's letters, written by John Trenchard, And Thomas Gordon, this is Issues and Insights, talking about what some of our founders believed and taught, writing in 1720, which according to Clinton Rossiter, were the most popular, quotable, esteemed source of political ideas in the colonial period and powerfully defended freedom of expression. They wrote that freedom of speech is the great bulwark of liberty. They prosper and die together. While in contrast, wherever truth is dangerous, liberty is precarious. It says here further, they saw that those rights found their basis in our search for the truth. Truth has so many advantages above error, they wrote, that she wants only to be shown. She breaks the bonds of tyranny and fraud, which has taught us that, quote, 
we are as fit at, we are as fit to use our own understandings as they are whose understandings are no better than ours. This is from John Adams. He argued, liberty cannot be preserved without a general knowledge among the people of the characters and conduct of their rulers, which is why this, his uh, dis distant cousin, Samuel Adams, found that, quote, there's nothing so fretting and vexatious, nothing so terrible to tyrants as a free press. Tyrants, see, they, they shudder at the thought of a free press exposing them. But what happens when the tyrants gain control and the free press works for the tyrants? They're the propaganda arm for the tyrants. It says here, the freedom of, of the press is one of the bulwarks of liberty and can never be restrained but by despotic governments. That's from James Madison. He also said, to the press alone, checkered as it is with abuses, the world is indebted for all the triumphs which have been gained by reason and humanity over error and oppression. Give some quotes from Thomas Jefferson as well. Big, big free speech, free press proponent. And then listen to this. Proposals for and threats of imposing politically motivated restrictions on those whose views or reporting are disliked by those with greater clout inside the beltway are sharply at odds with American liberty. In fact, they echo the Soviet ideal more than ours. As Vladimir Lenin put it, why should freedom of speech and freedom of press be allowed? So here's a, here's a quote from a good Marxist. Why should we allow free speech? Why should we have a free press? Why should a government allow itself to be criticized? Lenin said, I would not allow opposition by lethal weapons. Ideas are much more fatal things than guns. Why should any man be allowed to disseminate pernicious opinions calculated to embarrass the government. Why should we allow it, the communists say? Why should we allow free speech? They lose their, whole, their stranglehold on social media platforms like Twitter, and you, you see a lot, you learn a lot about what they really think about free speech and a free press, just judging by their reaction. A complete, like Conscious said, just a total blackout. They yawn away as if it's just ho-hum, continuing on with their lies. They, they, like I read to you yesterday from Ezekiel, or I guess it was Jeremiah 9, they weary, they're just worn out by their sins. Their sins consume them. It spreads like a, like a disease. And the sad thing is, of course, a lot of people believe it. They believe the lies. Many people want they want lies, like it says in Second Second uh, Timothy four, Jeremiah thirty. They just want to hear smooth things. I saw this at the Associated Press. It says uh, this is from the other day. It took less than a day for the January sixth report to go from public unveiling to the bestseller list on Amazon.com. Did you hear this? The January sixth report, put together by those radical left wing communist Democrats. It's a bestseller, according to Amazon.com. So I wonder if there's going to be some Amazon files revealed later on. You think there's any manipulation? How many Americans do you suppose ordered the 1,000-page the January 6th report just filled with lies, 
Well, I'm sure there's, there's some that are out there consuming that. They love, if Cassidy Hutchinson says somebody burned papers, oh, that's, he's, he should go to prison. Someone, by the way, I think it's August 11, Sam, someone suggested as a favorite clip from the year, the, the Trump hater out on the street that basically said, he should go to prison, he should go to prison. And then the interviewer says, for, for what exactly? Like, what, what law has he, has he broken? And the person couldn't, he couldn't even answer it and said, well, I've got to go now. I've got to go now. They don't know anything. They're just being fed propaganda, lies, and deceit. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I don't think the January 6th report put together by Congress, I don't think it's a bestseller. I'm just going on a, a bit of a hunch here. The Bible says, with respect to Jeroboam, the final resurgence of the United States, just before, just before the return of Jesus Christ, the, the great tribulation and the return of Jesus Christ, that there would be no help, no helper for Israel. The country is being destroyed from within. There's a story at the Hill, by the way, about Fox News and Rupert Murdoch's turn against Donald Trump. Here again, no helper, not even from Fox News. There, I mean, there's some solid commentary on the border crisis or the, the, the crime in our streets, inflation, that sort of thing. But just keep Trump out of it. I mean, and Trump, every time he opens his mouth about the border, inflation, uh, crime, law enforcement, you can't disagree with anything that he's saying. That's what's so astounding in all of this, that they would just abandon Donald Trump, bad orange man, Trump derangement. The Hill says an increasingly sour relationship between former President, uh, President Trump, Fox News, and the rest of Rupert Murdoch's media empire. That has, and He owns lots of newspapers around the world, too. It says here, has been building for months. It's come to a head in the weeks following the midterms. It says, it is a rift that is being watched closely in political and media circles given the power of Fox News and other media entities owned by Murdoch in potentially shaping the race for the GOP presidential nomination in 2024. Anybody but Trump. That's the message. And a lot of the commentators, they're getting the memo. They're getting the memo. Dump Trump, as I've said in recent weeks. Trump has already mounted a new run for the presidency, but many of Murdoch's press outlets are either outright criticizing Trump or flirting with other political leaders. It says here, Trump's superpower is getting all the coverage. That's not happening anymore. Fox is not covering him 24 hours a day, quotes some commentator commentator there. It says, Trump could typically count on several leading hosts at Fox News. Well, let me just skip ahead here. You get the gist of it. And it's not surprising. It's not at all surprising. Uh, David uh, Galertner, I think is how you say his name, he had, had another pretty good article this week just uh, comparing where we're at today politically in the Republican Party with uh, Theodore Roosevelt's break from the Republicans. I think it was back in 1912. But he feels like this is the direction uh, that we're heading in. The coming split is how he titles his piece. And he, he points out, and I bring this up because, again, it's something my father <laughs> brings out in this uh, latest Trumpet magazine. I guess it's uh, the February issue is now out as well. 
But my father says here that the Rhino Republicans, so many in the Republican establishment, they would rather lose to the communist left than to win with Donald Trump and the Republican Party. The coming split, he says. Trump was the first president since Ronald Reagan, or some would argue since earlier than that, who seemed to appreciate the dangers of unaccountable, uh, unlimited, deep state government. It says, and I'm willing to bet he'd appreciate those dangers a lot more in a second term, having fallen victim to them himself in the 2020 election. We went through all of that with you on yesterday's show, the, the way that they used the COVID to overhaul the election process in the United States. Mass, mail-in ballots, you know, all the drop boxes, early voting going back six, eight weeks now in some states. No longer... <laughs> Election day is a thing of the past. Well, that attorney for Katie Hobbs said as much. Right in the presence of this judge, who you would have thought would just smack him down. What are you, what are you putting down election day voters for? That's when most people vote. Well, they should have voted earlier, says that arrogant attorney. Says that uh, Obama attorney, probably coming from uh, some connection to Mark Elias or whoever. It says here, but despite the obvious differences, we're heading for a 1912 repeat in which the Republican Party ignores its own voters. The Republican machine has no intention of letting us choose Trump again. He's not a, a uniparty team player. They'd rather lose an election to the Democrats, their brothers in crime, than win with Trump. He's right. He's completely right. Like I say, we make a similar point in the latest trumpet. It says here, you could go even further and say that the two-party system, in addition to preserving systemic stability, has prevented us from having any real say in our own government, except to the smallest extent. The Republicans and Democrats appear like the guardrails on either side of the road. They've decided we should all be traveling on. So they force through the omnibus spending, $1.7 trillion. Never mind that most people didn't want it. It doesn't matter that most people want the border closed. It just doesn't matter. It, 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 they don't care what people think about the government imposing censorship on ordinary citizens through Twitter, through Facebook, through Google. He, uh, he brings up some pretty good points, as I say. There were also a couple of articles in the news stack about uh, conservative commentators saying, look, it's going to turn eventually. America is going to come back. We're going to be great again. There are those that still are hopeful and optimistic, which is hard to do when you don't understand the prophecies of God and what he lays out for us in Scripture so that we know what's coming. We know what's ahead. But the problem with some of these more optimistic uh, articles is they talk about just how good and wonderful we are as a people, as a nation. It's all going to turn around eventually. It says here, this, that is optimism. It's a powerful, it, it is powerful because it, this is from uh, the American Greatness website, it challenges the establishment narrative at its roots. In 21st century America, optimism is, uh, is subversive, flaunted. Deny the doomsayers their moment. Reject the pessimistic essence of everything they're saying. Starting there, we have a chance. Another article at Issues and Insights says that uh, you're the one that makes America great. 
Well, at least they're not saying it's just one politician, one individual. But, but none of these kinds of articles address the sickness, the sins of our people, the sins of the nation. They've got to take it a, a step further. Only God can make us great. Only God can bring about a resurgence. And even then, it's just a merciful act intended to help us to see ourselves one, one final opportunity to turn to God in repentance and faith. We had a, an, an RV article, the Royal Vision, uh, back in 1999. This, uh, again, goes back uh, 20 years or so. Uh, but we write here, Mr. Armstrong taught faith is not the power of positive thinking. This is man's method of self-deception, deceiving himself into believing he is getting better and better in every way, every day. It says, you may have heard this type of thinking called bootstrapism, trying to pull, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. In other words, trying to improve and overcome by your own power. It says, this method builds confidence in self. The wisest man who ever lived knew the difference between confidence in the self and the right kind of confidence. King Solomon called the person who trusts in his own heart a fool. I'll refer you to Jeremiah 17 as well, where it says uh, that we come under a curse if we, if we put our faith and our trust in a man, including ourselves. That's Jeremiah 17, the proverb he quoted there in that article. That's Proverbs 28 and verse 26. When we come back, we'll conclude today's show with a short Bible study segment. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to email the show, td at the trumpet. Dot com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. Is there a more urgent expression in the Bible than the last hour? When he wrote his epistles, the Apostle John thought it was the last hour before Christ's second coming. In fact, it was only a type of our time today. Every detail of what John prophesied is now being fulfilled. Request the last hour. Never before has proper time management been more important, and this book will give you the urgency you need to organize your life God's way. Request the last hour. As part of this free offer, request The Seven Laws of Success by Herbert W. Armstrong one of his most popular books ever. Again, both books are completely free, so contact us now and get the help you need to organize your life God's way. The Trumpet Daily. A few days ago, I, I quoted from uh, Shakespeare's uh, sonnet number 81, where he talked about the power of the pen, or words, just how powerful words can be, speaking of where we put our faith and our trust, as I was talking about at the end of the opening segment there. Shakespeare says, When all the breathers of this world are dead, you still shall live, such virtue has my pen. Those words certainly did live on, they continue to live to this day, even though Shakespeare's been gone for centuries, more than 400 years. 
Notice this quote from Leo Tolstoy. He's the famous uh, Russian novelist. He says this about the Apostle Paul. Paul, if you know anything about his ministry, he was constantly on the run. He was being persecuted. He was run out of town. He was thrown in jail. I mean, quite an eventful life. It says here, how strange and odd it would have seemed to the educated Romans of the middle of the first century had anyone told them that the letters addressed by a wandering, uh, a wandering Jew to his friends and pupils would have a hundred, a thousand, a hundred thousand times more readers, more circulation, and more influence over people than all the poems, odes, elegies, and elegant epistles of the authors of that age. And yet this is what has happened. The writings of Paul, inspired by God, they've, they've stood the test of time. And, and these, of course, are writings that most people dismiss today. They mock, they ridicule the Bible, or they, if they don't do that, they just put the Bible up on a shelf and they don't actually use it. These words are from God. So they're backed by authority, the supreme authority. There's power here, staying power. You think about the work of God's church even in these last days, and how many people, as you project ahead into the wonderful world tomorrow and beyond, just think about how many people are going to be looking back at what God's work was doing during this time when the world was descending into darkness when truth was failing or being cast to the ground. We have the truth. And even if only a small number of people are actually listening to it today, that will increase, and dramatically so. And not that far away. That, that time is not that far away. Notice Ephesians 3. In verse 8, God says to his people, look, you just get the message out there. You take it and run with it. You, you make sure that you are valiant for the truth. Ephesians 3 in verse 8, it says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this is Paul writing, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. What a privilege, Paul said. What an honor. And yet you fast forward to the end of his ministry or near the end, and he's writing to Timothy there in 2 Timothy saying, everyone in Asia, that would encompass all of the, or at least much of what is today, modern Turkey. And Paul had, you know, he had raised up church areas all throughout that region, Ephesus, of course, being the biggest. But he says, everyone in Asia has left the truth. They've fallen away from the truth. And you could read that and think, well, that, that whole ministry then, all that effort that he put in, I guess it was just a waste. I guess nothing really amounted to it, or, or nothing really amounted to much. From those years and years of labors, of pain, suffering, preaching, teaching, exhorting, encouraging. Well, some in the first century... A lot of them in the first century, the saints of God, fell away from the, the church. There's just been a little flock all through the, the Middle Ages on through to today. Look at what happened in the Laodicean era, the seventh and final era of the church. Most people fell away from the truth. They didn't love it. Like I said yesterday, that's 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 10. They didn't love the truth. They didn't hold on to the truth. 
They didn't hold on to those powerful words. And so they fell away. They, they lost their foundation. This is the firm foundation on which we stand. It's all that we have to stand on in a world that's filled with lies and deception. It's like an anchor. Paul said, I'm so blessed, I'm so privileged to be able to speak these words. Verse 9 continues, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. That fellowship is probably not the best word there. A better word would be the dispensation to make everyone see just how important it is to dispense with this mystery. Colossians 1 and verse 27 says that that mystery is Christ in you. I gave a program on that subject recently, or a segment. Christ in you. The fact that God is reproducing himself it's a great privilege to be able to dispense with this message and to even help people who come along into this effort, this end of the end time work, to help them see just how important it is for us to give the truth of God to anyone who will hear it, who will receive it, who will use it. The Prophesy Again booklet, it says, in other words, for something to be dispensed, somebody has to do it. You must have people who are willing to declare the mystery to the world, not just possess it for themselves. This is what sets this little church apart from the others. During that Laodicean era when we were fighting for mystery of the ages in church, in court I should say, mystery of the ages, that was in 1997 on through to 2003, and we fought for it, all of us fighting for it. We already had our own copy of Mystery of the Ages. We got it back at the time Mr. Armstrong uh, finished his ministry, before he died. But it wasn't enough for us to get our own personal copy. Yes, we need that too. But we also need to see how important it is to distribute the message of God, to give the message, to give the truth to the whole world. In fact, Mr. Armstrong said when he was releasing Mystery of the Ages for the first time that he wanted to reach the largest audience possible. We brought that up time and again in, in court. Look, we're just following in Mr. Armstrong's steps. We're carrying out his will, his final will and testament. There's a chapter in the former prophet's book. I think that might be up here somewhere, but if you don't have a copy of that one, I don't mention this too often, but here it is. The Former Prophets, How to Become a King. Great book. Pretty thick book as well. But if you don't have a copy of that, call our operators and request one today. The 800 number, it's 1-866-930-3024. You can see the information there on uh, the screen. But chapter 5 in this book, it's titled, Samuel Institutionalizing the God Family Vision. This is what God's people are here to do, as I've told the students over the years. We're here to institutionalize this royal family vision in everything that we do, in the way that we preach, proclaim the truth. You see that, that godly culture coming out in our music program here at God's College? It says here, this is from chapter 5, Many of the biblical writers were skilled and well-educated. They wrote history. They wrote poetry. They wrote music. They sang. They danced. They had magnificent choirs. This is the culture 
that God is raising up in this church, raising the ruins. There's the music of the prophets in chapter 5 of the former prophets. There's another section called the, the poetry of the prophets. And my father notes in that section how that a good, a good part of the Bible is in fact poetry, beautiful poetry. Some of the best poetry that's ever been written. Well, when you understand God's inspiration behind it, it is the best. We have in our Bible hymnal the songs that we sing at services. Most of them just come right out from the Psalms in your Bible. Beautiful, beautiful music. Mr. Armstrong knew that that was important from the very early time of his ministry, many, many decades ago. My father writes, this is chapter 5, as I say, we use the, the college and the cultural foundation to point people to the kind of culture that God really loves, and it orients people toward the future when God will restore all things, including godly culture, to this earth and eventually the universe. See, this message, this vision that we've institutionalized at Armstrong College and in this church, it will soon spread. It will be distributed to every human being on this earth. That's what really keeps us moving forward and motivated to proclaim this truth. What a, as Paul said in Ephesians 3.8, I mean, what a blessing, what a privilege to be able to preach the mystery to the Gentiles, as he said, to be able to give this truth to the largest audience possible, to give them God's words. Who could have ever, who among the Roman elites in the first century would have ever thought that this Jew, <laughs> traveling around, persecuted on the run, that his writings, the letters he wrote on those parchments, that that would have more staying power and more of a profound impact on the world than any of the other authors. Well, you put all the other authors of the first century in those Roman regions, in those Gentile lands, put them all together. Can't compare. What a precious, precious body of work we have. We can enjoy it ourselves, and we, of course, want to give it to as many others as possible. You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you later this week when we've got some mega montages lining up. <laughs>